Well, 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 what's up, citizens? I am your V podcaster host, Jay Starks, and welcome to another episode of the Bingo Book Podcast. Hey, and we are on episode number 41. Hey, I hope that you had a very pleasant week and weekend. And, you know, hey, today's episode is going to be pretty short as uh, several animes have been delayed, mainly due to the 2023 World Athletics Championships. Now, I don't know if y'all got to see some of those clips online, on your socials, but I mean, people throwing like, you know, the little balls they put on their neck and they got to like turn around in a circle and then chunk it. <laughs> I mean, we see some very athletic people. And I, I one thing I can say, especially with my time in Japan, is they are very big fans of sporty sporting events, especially world sporting events. So, of course, when the World Cup happened with soccer or football um, back in 2020, I want to say. I mean, it was a big, a major thing. Or maybe that was 2022. I forget. I get the time frames all mixed up, but, but yeah. And then some of the delays have also been to production issues, but that's kind of a given. Oh, excuse me. Especially in these times. Right. But, uh, so as a result, we won't be doing discussions for ZOM 100 bucket list of the dead, the great cleric, and also season two of Jujutsu Kaisen, which is expected to be making its return on, uh, August the 24th, 25th? Oh, no, 31st. <laughs> August the 31st. I'm definitely getting my time all mixed up. But, hey, we got some folks in the chat. My homegirl, the queen, Kepi. Hey, <laughs> say, my friend, please never be sorry. Hey, I, I truly appreciate it. My my hand is over my heart, although my, my model can't do that yet. But we'll <laughs> get there. <laughs> but all right hey you know let's go ahead and get into our anime discussion for our a side slate as you can see some of them on the screen right now this is for our, our summer 2023 uh anime discussions and today's episode we'll be discussing several topics such as dating someone older hmm. have you dated someone older before I mean, okay, okay, if you did, what was it like? Okay, hold that, hold that thought, because I want those in the comments if you have. Okay, I want them, I want them. Then we also have teachers with difficult classes to pass. Have you ever been in school and you had this teacher that was just no nonsense, highly aggressive, and it just seems like they did everything in their power to make sure that you didn't pass their class? Well, yes, we're definitely going to talk about those teachers. Ah, what a headache. <laughs> but hey, don't forget, after our first break, we will return with more anime topics to cover in our B-side slate. So hey, kick back, grab a snack, and enjoy the show. We're going to get straight up into this thing, all right? Okay, so for our first anime for discussion, and that is... The Dreaming Boy is a Realist, Episode 7, titled You Know, 
female college students are seriously amazing. <laughs> I mean, what that that is a title all for itself. I mean, very self-explanatory if you ask me. But hey, we got Sarah in the chat, the librarian. E. What about those books? What about those books, though? <laughs> But yeah, in this episode of The Dreaming Boy is a Realist, Wataru is visited at his part-time job consistently from an attractive college student named Fuka Sasaki after helping her little brother from getting bullied. So basically her little brother was like in front of the his part-time job and was getting kind of tossed around by some older school kids. And Wataru came outside and was like, hey, you know, leave the young man alone. Okay, you say you're going to do something, do it. Do it while I'm here. If you're not going to do it, then shoot, like move on. And so he pretty much protected the young man. And for that, Fuka was very, very thankful and, you know, pretty much comes by his job uh, often to show her gratitude. So Wataru recognizes Fuka's bracelet in her sense of style. Like, hey, hey, little mama, you looking, you looking kind of scrumptious over there. <laughs> like, how you got all that style? What's going on with you right now? And so, of course, she gets all excited hearing about his compliments, and she says, "Hey, you know what?" I actually got this done at a local craft shop. You know, maybe we can go together and get some materials and we can create you something. So he's like, okay, bet, deal. You know, so throughout this whole ordeal, Wataru, who, mind you, he's a high school student and he's just completely charmed at the fact that he's hanging out with this older young lady. Now, of course, there's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a little bit more to the story but i think we'll save that next topic for uh, a future episode but have you dated someone older have you okay said oh she has a, her hands up oh, pika hand <laughs> and how was that how was that experience dating someone older i'm interested to know what, what was what was it like for you now, I can tell you what it was like for me, you know, or, well, I, I guess I'll start out with the benefits. Well, I first should caveat with this. I generally like dating older people. I, it, to me, it's just better because the benefits outweigh the cons, in my opinion. All right. So let me just go through my benefits of dating someone older real quick. Is that OK? Can I do that with y'all for just a moment? <laughs> So number one, to the benefits of dating someone older, they're usually way more mature. Now, of course, this isn't everybody, but most of the time when you're dating someone that's older, they usually have more of a head on their shoulders and have been through some things. And, you know, they're more mature about life in general. And I like that because not to say that because don't get me wrong, when you're with your friends you have very, very immature moments, and those moments are hilarious. <laughs> Bust the gut hilarious. But, you know, there are a lot of other times where, you know, you kind of want to, I'm not saying everything has to be so serious, but, you know, you want to know that when you're talking with somebody, they're taking you seriously, and opinions that are shared are actual real conversations, you know? Uh, And then also they're experienced in many things in life. Now, I need y'all to get y'all heads out the gutter because 
Y'all talking about, oh, experience. That, that's what you like, Jay? You like experience? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. But, but no, that is not where I'm aiming at. I'm just talking about the whole spectrum of life in itself. You know, that is something that's very, um, you know, it's it's good. It's, it's something I really enjoy knowing that because of all this experiences they had, you know, I can pivot to say, all right, I'm not very familiar in this area or because we both are experienced in this area, we know how to deal with this in a pretty efficient fashion, you know? Um, and then you also have the idea of what they want in their future. Now, for me, this is a very, very, very big one is knowing what you want out of your future, having some type of foundation laid out of what you want in life, being proactive in um, in just your life journey. Like you want to have something that within reason, I would say, uh, you can mm, work towards, you know, goals, goals and ambitions. You know, if you don't have those things for me, kind of hard to date you. If you, if you, your head is cut off with it like a chicken and you're running around just kind of following the next thing or wherever the wind blows you, not going to work out. <laughs> Trust me, I've been there. <laughs> well, what's okay. Let's say, what's say yo, Chad, what, how are, what are y'all thoughts about dating someone older? I want to see what y'all thought before I get to the cons. So Kevy says, I have not, have not dated anyone older. Wow. That's actually pretty, that's pretty cool. Like I, I feel like a lot of people have um, experienced dating at least one person older in their life. But the fact that you haven't had the, to that opportunity is actually kind of mind blowing for me. So that's pretty cool. Um, but I think I would prefer it after seeming to date only my age or younger. I see. Now, do you feel like that's a preference, Kepi? If you don't mind me asking, you don't have to answer, by the way. Like for the for most of your life, you when you dated someone, was the age gap something that was very important to you of dating someone that's your age, around your age, or younger? And I don't know. I always find that to be something interesting because when I'm uh, dating someone, when I think about uh, just, the, I mean. The, I, the age doesn't, no, it does matter. <laughs> it, it does matter for me because I think the low, I, I feel like sometimes the lowest that I can go maybe is maybe someone that's three or four years younger than me, but it's such a, I don't know. It's such a, I don't want to say it's a turnoff because it's, it's not, it really depends on the person. You know, if we're really being honest about all this, but for the majority of the time, if I'm seeking it out, that's kind of how it is, you know? Um, Sarah says, I'm usually the older one. And yeah, I'm usually more mature. <laughs> hey, you and see how that's exactly what I mean. When you're in a predicament where you're the oldest one, you kind of see that immaturity or like the younger fashion or just the differences much more clearly, I would say. Uh what what else we got up in here? Um, Cyril says I've dated older and I do like it better. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's it's. I think there's. I don't know. Kind of going back to what I was saying before. I do think that there's a lot more cons that could potentially come from dating someone uh, that's older. But 
we got to talk about the cons, the cons for dating someone older. And so I feel like if these are some of your deal breakers for you in a relationship, then dating someone older is probably not something that you would be interested in. Um, Number one, sometimes older folks are not as open minded. And yeah, their mind frame pretty much remains the same. They're ever unchanging. No matter what you do, whatever you go through, whatever you say, it doesn't matter. They pretty much uh, they pretty much have said this is the way that I'm always going to be. And they've accepted as that that being their fate. Right. And that could be really annoying because it's like, OK, yeah, you're older, but there's still so much life ahead of you. Why are you putting your head in a box and saying that this is the only way you should see things? That should this should be your only perspective on life as we know it. Like, you know, there could be so many other factors that could make you look at things differently and you should be accepting of those things. But no, you have some older people that is like, hey, I do not care. <laughs> we do not care. <laughs> This is this is how I'm going to think and remain thinking no matter what. And then uh, the second thing that I feel like is a big one is not as adventurous. And it's kind of tied to the first one as far as not being open minded of they already have ideas of things that they like to do. And if it's not in that same wheelhouse, then they're not going to do it. They're not going to be receptive to that idea. And they're stuck. They, they say, hey, you know, if we're not doing A, B and C, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. And that's kind of whack because, you know, let's say the person has never been to an aquarium or a museum or even, you know, I'll do y'all even one better. The idea of traveling to a totally different continent or country for a lot of folks, that's exciting, that's engaging, that's entertaining and can be a fun time. But you have some people where it's like, I'm not trying to see another country, another continent. I'm very comfortable in the state that I'm in, in the city I am, in our prefecture that I am or wherever. Like as long as they're in that area, they're completely fine. And what fun is that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, uh, Kepi says, it's sometimes an issue in my current relationship since there is a bit of an age gap. Yeah. You know, in the th- I, I do feel like with the age gap, the cool thing that also comes and this is probably something that could be uh, maybe a con. But if you flip it around, a benefit to dating someone younger is. They do keep you feeling younger in a lot of ways, too. You know, like you. I, I hate to use this word. You're you're a little bit more hip. <laughs> I don't like to say that because to me, like, I think as long as you engage on like social media these days, you're probably going to be hip to most things because everything that comes out now is kind of trendy, you know, now, what I what I tend to love, is, and I, I find that this is more so with more uh, with older folks, is those underlining things that are not trendy that you can have discussions about. Those are always something I find to be more fun or intriguing or engaging to have conversations about, right? But okay, well, hey, that was 
um, our discussion for the Dreaming Boy is a realist. Let's go on to our next anime for discussion. And that is. Reign of the Seven Spellblades, episode seven, titled Raversi. I don't, I don't think I said that as uh, good in French. <laughs> <laughs> but in this episode, Oliver Horn and his fellow classmates attend the first magical engineering class with a professor named Enrico Fordaretti. I think I got that right. <laughs> Who is deemed one of the most difficult teachers to deal with at the Kimberly Magic Academy. Now, in this class, Professor Enrico sets up a practical, which was... Uh, intended for the students to fail or I mean at the very least for them to get severely injured so imagine being in the class where it's like okay we got this practical and we got to turn on like our Bunsen burners because we're going to take our flask and we're going to make some type of chemical reaction with the compounds and materials or whatever that we're mixing in and the professor pretty much or the teacher says in their head yeah, I know that this this flash is going to blow up and I can't wait to see how many students are going to get injured. Now, don't get me. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that y'all have any teachers that go to that extreme. But my point being is there are some teachers that are just mean and all this other stuff. And that's what we got to talk about. Teachers with difficult classes to pass. Have y'all have y'all had a teacher like that, a professor like that? That was like, oh, my God, like why? I don't know why this teacher was ever hired because they making everything so difficult. Like, like, is it supposed to be this hard? And you just you scratch your head like, I don't know if I can do this. Now, there are some teachers. Well, first of all, you got to kind of take the um, occupation out of it. So, OK, just take the title of being a teacher or professor out. Right. They're people. Right everybody individual so that means you're going to meet people that are just mean rude nasty foul not happy with life i mean all those different things and that is definitely not an exception when it comes down to the classroom and i'm sure that most of us have probably experienced someone as a teacher or even in a, a position of power where it's like nothing that they do is a joyous moment <laughs> <laughs> like everything is just like sour grapes, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, so I would say one of the biggest things that you can do to kind of avoid teachers with difficult classes, uh, especially if you're trying to pass it. And I'm going to say that this applies mostly to college because you really don't have a choice in high school or, you know, uh, lower academic uh, levels, I guess you could say academia levels <laughs> uh so junior high high school and elementary i'm sorry you know if you're listening uh i got nothing for you <laughs> i got nothing i'm sorry that's something you're just gonna have to deal with i mean you could speak to some of your peers and hopefully they can get you in a, uh or or allow you to see who the good teachers are and the others that you had just gonna have to work harder in unfortunately um but uh there are websites out there, especially, you know, when, for those that are in college or even in grad school uh, that rate your professors. And that 
is the tool that I used. <laughs> That's the tool that I used to be able to get the easiest, sweetest teachers in uh, my college time uh, when I was doing school. And look, listen, it was a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> While all of my other friends and colleagues were having a, a tough time and they struggling through their courses, I'm just, you know, having a good time going out, partying, uh, just being, I, I wouldn't say I was reckless, but I definitely didn't have the amount of stress that the, my other friends had. And I owe it all to these type of websites that allow you to find out which teachers are the best to pick. And I would highly recommend that to anyone uh, that's in uh, that's in college right now. Like it's it's literally one of the best tools that you can use. Now I don't know if it's still a um, if, if the websites are still a thing because I haven't been to one in probably like four or five years. I want to say, but if it is still a thing, look, I say this all the time: utilize the resources that are available to you. You, you got to. You gots to do it. If you don't, the only person that you can really be upset at just at, in the end of the day is yourself, right? Um, but hey, how many other people have used uh, some tools like that? I see uh, Kebby says, yes, it's such a great tool. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I mean, of course, there's other tools out there where they can help you write your reports and papers and stuff like that. Now, I've never gone to that extreme where I've had you know, use those tools to help me with uh, my classes, but definitely to pick the teachers that I want. I mean, I literally handpicked every teacher that I wanted in college from like my, I want to say, I found out about it towards the end of my freshman year in college. And from there, it was literally like, a blast like the the best teachers you know having a good time you're laughing in class you having thought provoking conversations i mean uh not a lot of homework you know things to do the study uh guides or quizzes that they gave you were easy I'm telling you that's the way to go um seto says chemistry teachers <laughs> only class that made me cry <laughs> yeah you know it's so funny you say that because why does it always seem to be like the science-based courses that are always the most difficult or have the teachers that are the most annoying to deal with, right? Because it was the same thing for me. Like, I, I would say my biology teacher was pretty cool. And this is like uh, across like all um, academia levels. But chemistry, man, it seemed like at least 75% of them were just complete assholes. You know, I, I can't even sugarcoat that that's that's exactly what they were and they it almost like it's almost like they woke up out of bed and they took a challenge like hmm all right how can i make my students lives miserable today <laughs> like, like what the hell like this 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 is disrespectful and just rude you know but it'd be like that sometimes right <laughs> All right. All right. We move. We move to our next anime for discussion. And that is. Undead Murder Farce, Episode 7, titled Free for All. 
man, free for all. Every time when I hear those words, it already lets me know it's, it's a fight about to break loose. <laughs> but yeah, in this episode, Rindo devises a plan that catches Master Thief Arson Lupin from escaping with a rare black diamond. Oh, and let me tell you, this diamond was bling, 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 blinging. <laughs> uh, after receiving information that the area had been invaded by several unidentified members who are strong and have murdered several of the guards that were trying to protect this precious black diamond. And so Rendo joins forces with Sherlock Holmes and his partner Watson. However, they are immediately faced by a self-proclaimed magician named Alistair Crowley. Now, for anybody that's been watching anime, Alistair Crowley is kind of a a common character. I, I'm not like, especially in detective work slash, um, uh, I would say historical pieces in in anime. So when I when you think that, think about like the Fate Zero. Uh, series, although I don't think he was in Fate, but y'all understand what I'm trying to say. And so it's not unusual that you'll hear the name Aleister Crowley thrown around in anime, especially if you've been watching different series for a while now. But yeah, so in this anim- uh, in this anime of Undead Murder Forest, um, he's said to possess the ability to throw deadly objects from his fingers. And so they were kind of trying to crack the code of like, okay, he deems himself as a magician, but he's throwing stuff with his fingers. How is he able to do this? Uh, but not getting in too deep with the, the anime plot for that episode. I do want to talk about Aleister Crowley, who was a, a real person, you know, and I think this is probably a surprise for a lot of people. So, um, let's get into this. I want to show y'all. So this is what the Alistair Crowley looks like. Boop. In his uh, yonder years of life. <laughs> and so Alistair Crowley was an English occultist, philosopher, ceremonial magician, poet, painter, novelist, and mountaineer. That's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. Now, mind you, of course, this is well before the Internet. So I so I feel like if if I'm being honest, I feel like if the Internet didn't exist, I probably would have all these different titles, because to me, having all these different job occupations or things that you do, it just strikes a boredom like. Yeah, he was bored. <laughs> he was bored. He didn't have nothing to do. So he was like, okay, let me just find something new to do. And once he got tired with that, then he tried something different, right? Um, so I, I think that's actually pretty dope of him that he has all these different skills that he attained throughout his life. Um, he also founded the religion of Thelema, identifying himself as the prophet entrusted with guiding humanity into the eon of Horus in the early 20th century. Now, y'all gonna have to do y'all Googles on the eon of Horus. I got nothing for you. (laughs) I can't tell you what that means, but what I can tell you is that later on in his journeys, he met a man named Victor Newberg, who... Crowley met in February of 1907 and became his sexual partner and closest disciple. 
So you got to imagine, like, especially during this times, uh, having a disciple or a sidekick or partner or something like that in your life's works was kind of a normal thing. And in some uh, different cultures, you might have had more than one disciple, right? And so, yeah, so in 1908, they the pair, they toured northern Spain before heading to Tangier, Morocco. And then the following year, Newberg stayed at Balskin, where he and Crowley engaged in sadomachism. Sadomachism. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but you may know it today commonly as SNM. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, if you are into um, sexual acts, <laughs> then you've probably heard the term SNM thrown around. And if not, then here is a um, some information for you about what SNM means. So SNM is the giving and receiving of pleasure from acts involving the receipt or infliction of pain or humiliation. So I'm strapping you down and I'm beating your behind and you like it. But well, I guess the other way around. I like it because you're in so much pain right now or you look you're looking so humiliated. Yes, that's your SNM, okay? So practitioners of SNM may seek sexual pleasure from their acts, which we kind of discussed. So while the term sadist or machitus machitos I don't I never could say this word. <laughs> <laughs> but they refer respectively to one who enjoys giving and receiving pain, while some practitioners of SM may switch between active uh the activity or passivity. So um being on the receiving end of that pain and humiliation, right? And so yeah, so Alistair Crowley was a very interesting person because he had all these different titles that he was involved with um but he also i mean he was married too to a a young lady and so uh mash masochist masochist <laughs> thank you kevin <laughs> you keep me on the straight and narrow i am yeah, masochist thank you uh so um yeah you know he's lived in so many different parts of the world from egypt china we talked about spain earlier uh, Paris, the United States, and more. And so, of course, there's a ton more to uncover about Aleister Crawley. I, I guarantee you guys, I have barely touched the surface because this, I mean, just look at his Wikipedia. There is a laundry list of things about this, this guy. But hey, we may discuss this in a future episode. <laughs> well, I hope that y'all like that a little uh, blurb about Aleister Crowley. And we'll move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is. Season two of Mushoku Tensei Jobless Reincarnation, episode seven, titled The Kidnapping and Confinement of Beast Girls. Now, I'll be honest, I did not think just based off the title i didn't think that the episode would turn out the way that it did this was a pure comedy piece uh and in some ways for some people out there 
probably fulfilling some of their fantasies, but I'm going to just leave that there. <laughs> but in this episode, Rudis chats with Fitz, whom Rudis knows as Selfie, but she is hiding her true identity while wearing dark shades that hide the identity of her eyes and some of her uh, prominent facial features. So for those of y'all that are watching the live stream right now, you'll see our dear Fitz or Selfie that has her sunglasses on. And, you know, they, it gives us a hint of her eyes, which in Rudis' vision, he pretty much can't see her eyes at all, or at least he can't make out um, her eyes clearly. Uh, so, yeah, in several discussions, Rudis felt like, you know, he knew Fitz from somewhere. Like, there's just something quite familiar about Fitz, but he couldn't quite put his finger on why he feels differently when he's around him. And I do mean him because uh, Selfie going around as Fitz is disguising themselves as a male. And well, um, you know, Rudis does not know that he is a she, at least not yet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this was an interesting episode because in their conversations as he's trying to like recall, you know, who Fitz may be to him, uh, it made me think about meeting someone you forgot about. Has, has that something, been something that y'all ever experienced before where you cross paths with someone their face looks very familiar. You might stop to have a chat with them. And, you know, it's like you're, the wheel in your head, the hamster in your mind is rolling. Like, man, I, I think I know this person from somewhere, but I just can't quite remember. And then all of a sudden that person says something and it jogs your memory and you're like, ah, I remember. That's, that's who you are. Or if you're like me and you have terrible memory, <laughs> <laughs> then you're still not going to remember. And so, of, of course, that um, leads me to a short little story about the time I was invited to a restaurant with one of my best friends. And my, he was telling me, he's like, hey, I'm inviting a couple people. One of them, you know, we went to school with, you know, he, I know that y'all probably haven't seen each other for a long time. Is that cool if he, you know, him and his girlfriend come and hang out? I'm like, yeah, like, I don't got a problem with it. And so I'm like, who is this person again? Well, no, I take the back. I don't, <laughs> I'm such a jerk. I don't even think I asked who it was. I was just like, yeah, it's, it's cool. Cause I, I trust my friends judgment of people to, you know, bring around as far as company and that it wouldn't be anybody shady or, you know, indifferent or, or, uh, difficult to deal with, I guess. So I was cool with it. So we end up meeting at this, um, I, honestly, I cannot remember the name of the restaurant, but they serve all types of like, uh, like breakfast, um, like gourmet burgers and stuff like that. I, I, I literally can't remember the name of the restaurant, but so anyways, we're at the table. Uh, I get introduced to him and he's comes up to me. He's like, Hey, what's up, Jay? Like, man, you remember me? Oh, we, used, we went to school together, this and this and that. And I'm looking at him with the clearest blank stare in my face. Like, I'm sorry, bro. I do not remember who you are at all. <laughs> and I felt so bad because, I mean, I just saw the re reaction from his face. Like, dang, you don't remember me, man. Like, it was, it was just, it was bad. <laughs> it was all bad. But I don't know. It's like, if you weren't, 
if you weren't in my inner circle, well, I, I'll put it this way. In every, and I'm sure this is how it was for y'all in, in school, whether it been college or, well, let's say not college, let's say high school, junior high, and elementary. You generally had a, a cafeteria table that everybody sat at, whether it's breakfast or lunch. And that's kind of like the hangout spot. Or if y'all went outside to like the foyer area, there was a, like a hangout spot there too. And so my, my, I would say like our table when I was in school was mostly for the comedians, the jokesters. Um, like if you came to our table, you knew that you were going to be prime suspect number one to get roasted. It was open season. Well, except for on me. <laughs> nobody roasted me but it was just i would say it was a respect thing because i didn't i i'm not a roaster i'm not i mean don't get me wrong i can roast you but that's not something i enjoy doing i much rather participate and be more like the the bouncer yeah the bouncer would be a good good term (laughs) and so if you weren't at this tape these table or these areas where like me and my friends congregated at then I most likely wasn't going to remember you. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. Like if we're in classes together and it's almost like a common theme, like we have the same classes all the time, or we kind of grew up in school together from different uh, uh, schools or, or classes, then yeah, that that's something I can say, okay, I can remember you. But even then, highly susceptible for me to not remember who you are at all. And hey, <laughs> I know, Kevin. I'm. Yeah, it's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, my, my one of my friends. They tell me, hey, I need to eat. Um, blue. I think it's blueberries or raspberries. One of the two. I, th- I want to say blueberries that help with uh, memory retention. And look, for a whole year, I want to say I went on a blueberry binge. binge not one cell, not one molecule came back to make my memory stronger. So that is cap. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, if you ever get in a position where you meet someone that you, you know, forgot about and maybe they remind you in a, in a sense, um, don't do what I did and come off pretty rude because that was probably the first and last time that I had a conversation with that person. And I, I still, I, even right now, I feel so bad about that, uh, about that moment. But I didn't mean any. I honestly did not mean any harm about it. But Kevin, this is what I'm talking about. This goes back to how I, kind of a glimpse of how I was growing up. I was very straightforward and blunt, and it's hard to turn it off when you're just trying to be honest, you know. And uh, the famous uh, and legendary. Rapper Turk says, lying, or more so, <laughs> uh, telling the truth is not hating. And that's it. That's facts. It's not. You know, I was telling the truth. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump right into our B-side slate with our first anime for discussion. And that is... Uh, speaking of isekais, <laughs> Sweet Reincarnation, Episode 8, titled Honey for Sweets and a Reservoir for the Villages. Now, this is one of the ones I actually love this isekai. 
Uh, I know I talked a little bit earlier about uh, how they are pretty annoying at this point, <laughs> but this is one of those uh, isekais that truly stands out in its own way. And so in this episode of Sweet Reincarnation, without informing his father, Pastry, along with his friends Lumen and Mark, decide to venture out near the mountains in efforts to create a reservoir that could help with the growth of trees Pastry wants to grow or plant. <laughs> so these trees will be a source to produce nectar, which really got Pastry excited because, you know, in his mind, he's like, okay, if I have this tree that has this nectar, I can create a variety of sweets. Um, you know, with this, with this, this main ingredient. And so pastry, his whole thing behind his reincarnation is he was a self-proclaimed chef uh, that made desserts and he's really, really good at it. And he finds himself to be reincarnated starting life all over again and enters this new young body. And his whole goal is, Hey, I'm going to create a brand new life uh, where I'm going to create a world full of sweets that everybody ap appreciate desserts. Um, and now, however, Pastry's father, Lord Casserole, which <laughs> these names are hilarious. Uh, Lord Casserole receives word about his son's mission and quickly arrives at the scene to give our young Pastry a good old scolding. Like, hey, son, did I tell you you could build this reservoir? I never told you that. Now, I, I'm got a piece to talk about Lord Casserole all by itself, but I'm going to probably say that for next week's episode. Uh, so, hey, what's up, Father? Father says, hey, how much did Santa pay for his sleigh? Nothing. It was on the house. <laughs> hey, hey, I can appreciate a joke like that. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Thank you, Otosan. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so this episode made me think about kids being smarter than you think. Uh, now, what's that TV show? Uh, it's called um, uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I think that's the name of it. So I feel like that is a prime example to show you how bright kids can be. But we tend to take... Um, we, we tend to kind of undermine children and think that they don't see things for what they are or be able to use their own um, perception to see, you know, think of how things could be or will be. And, you know, you got to think about it. Like, you know, imagine when you were younger, that seven, eight years old time frame. You know, some people will look at you as like, oh, like you're harmless, that there's nothing um, wrong with, you know, there's, there's nothing that they could possibly do wrong, but I'm here to tell you as a youngster myself, I knew pretty much everything that I was doing in the consequences behind my actions, you know, and I was, some of the things that I did that was bad or mischievous, I was willing to do it, you know, it wasn't a problem, you know. Uh, Father says, oh, what's this? Yeah, so this is uh, an anime called Sweet Reincarnation. It's, if you like isekais, or, or well, I shouldn't even say if you like isekais. If you're into want something that's a little bit different, uh, I don't know if you like chef-based anime, uh, but this is kind of like that. I wouldn't really call this a chef-based anime compared to some of the other shows, um, but because it talks a little bit more about like a family that is trying to come into power and pastry who's this kid right here that you see on the screen in the middle 
uh, he is kind of helping his father bring his household into strength while also having his own alter, uh, ulterior motive of, hey, if I can lead us to uh, uh, power within this kingdom, then that'll allow me to you know, be a chef and create these desserts without anybody intervening or stopping me from doing this, right? Uh, but yeah, so I, I kind of want to talk about a little story of like kind of the wits that I had on myself when I was younger. And so, um, and, and this might, I mean, this might not seem like such a smart thing, but when I was probably eight or nine years old, me and my friends, we used to build clubhouses together. But now when you think about a clubhouse, you think about like, okay, some wood put together, maybe, uh, you know, triangular or box shaped thing, something that's pretty simple. And maybe there's like a little placard on the, on the, that's got stamped on or nailed in that says hey, clubhouse. No, we built very sophisticated clubhouses. I'm talking about two story clubhouses, uh, secret compartments in them. And we did all of this in the inner city, like an inner city where there's really not a lot of open land, not a lot of places to go. And we would go to like different um, furniture places that would have like discarded furniture or torn furniture that they can't sell. And so we would gather carpet, uh, wood. Uh, uh, of course, we go to the store and we, you know, we'd buy nails and you know other tools if we had them already in the household, and so just different stuff. And so it was just crazy that um, at our age we were building something that a lot of people, even like my uh, our parents, probably didn't even do themselves. And so it kind of shows you like how smart younger kids can be, especially the fact that it's not like we looked at um tool shows or or anything like that you know we, we didn't we didn't look at a manual to say okay how do you build this we literally just you know this is what we think it should look like we put our heads together and we just built it it was like trial and error and eventually as we got better the clubhouses we built were more sophisticated and it was just a lot of fun now the cool thing about this too is there were different clubhouses that we had throughout the neighborhood. So every it was like the secret hangout that only the kids in the neighborhood mostly knew about. Well, until some parents found out about it, we got busted and we got to tear it down. But, but I mean, those are just joyous times, you know, being younger. And I would just say that, you know, you just never know, like, Kids can do some very fantastic things. And so, hey, don't take uh, them for granted because what they're paying attention to, what they're doing in their time where they're not being um, watched by uh, older folks. I mean, they could be getting into some crazy stuff for for good or for worse. <laughs> but OK. All right. We move. We move to our next anime for discussion. And that is. Ruroni Kenshin, episode seven, titled The Two Hitokiri. Now, in this episode, Kenshin faces off against the deadly swordsman named Kurogasa. Kurogasa. <laughs> That's such a cool name. But uh, so after meeting up with him, um, he's been constantly provoked by this deadly swordsman because he wants him to throw away his Ruroni nature 
uh, and return to his bloodthirsty, dangerous past. So, you know, for those of y'all that have been watching uh, uh, this anime with Kenshin, you know, he has a very uh, violent past where because of how good his swordsman skills were, uh, he was pretty much like a hired gun in a, in a lot of ways, you know, and so he took care of business for government when it came down to certain uh, people or areas or prefectures and stuff like that. Uh, and so he wants him to go back to his bloodthirsty stage, his dangerous stage, and kind of remember how uh, violent he was back in the day. If he has any intentions of saving the beautiful young Yahiko. Now, however, throughout this whole battle, we learn that Kurogasa is willing to put everything on the line and has no regard for his own life. Now, we got to talk about facing an opponent with nothing to lose. Facing an opponent with nothing to lose. Have y'all ever been against someone that just seemed like they didn't care about nothing that they had going on? They were going to do whatever they wanted and whatever consequences came their way there they didn't care like they were more than willing to accept that is their fate now to me these are the worst opponents to fight because they don't have anything to lose like like honestly in fact i feel like these are also the worst type of people to deal with in a lot of circumstances uh, because as we talked about before one they don't have anything to live for uh, and I personally, I would advise any of you that's out there listening, if you have come into contact with somebody that doesn't have anything to lose, but you do avoid these people, <laughs> avoid these people at all costs, unless, unless, unless you are in a position where you know that you can win without any repercussions because, and I say without any repercussions, because they generally will take you down with them if they can. You know, it's, it's literally like, okay, uh, if I'm committing suicide, then you're joining me and I'm grabbing you and taking you with me. And we've seen plenty of animes that have had, uh, you know, bad guys, villains, sometimes even good folks with bad intentions do stuff like that. And so I would say be weary of people that have nothing to lose. And don't get me wrong. Like sometimes it may just be an unavoidable situation and, you know, you got to put them hands up and, and get your duke on. But, you know, as you get older, especially you'll start to realize like, man, like I got way too much stuff that I care dear about, whether it be your family, uh, friends, things that you want to achieve out of life that you don't want to put yourself in a position where someone else could you know, hinder your, your future. So yeah, you know, if you going against an opponent that has nothing to lose, get up out of there <laughs> with the quickness, please. <laughs> All right. We move on to our next anime for discussion. And this is actually going to be our last anime for discussion for today. And that is. Season two of Bleach's Thousand Year Blood War, episode 20, titled I Am the Edge. <laughs> man, man, oh man, oh man. All I gotta say is hey, if you are a Bleach fan, 
you are eating right now. We are eating so good with these episodes. I'm so glad that Bleach is back. I was taking a short break. Um, I think we went through, wait, winter was here, then spring came, and now summer, yeah, spring, we didn't have any episodes, then uh, summer came and it was back. So a little bit of, about three month uh, layover, but hey, I'm so excited that we got this Bleach goodness back. But yeah, in this episode, we have um, the the wonderful, my favorite character of all time in Bleach, and honestly, one of my favorite characters in uh, anime series period, uh, Kenpachi, Zaraki Kenpachi, you know, so he's going against uh, one of the Quincy's who has the power of imagination. You know, he can use his Retsu or his energy to create things with his imagination. And if another, if if his opponent pretty much believes it, then that becomes true for the most part. And so uh, in this episode, I kind of want to talk about the power of imagination because uh, I think that there's some things we can take away from this episode that could be pretty beneficial to our lives. And so for those of y'all that are watching the live stream right now, you can see the image of the Quincy that Kenpachi was fighting. You know, he imagined a meteor falling on the Soul Society area and pretty much about to crush this whole place and turn it into bits. <laughs> and of course, uh, Kenpachi in Kenpachi-like fashion is like... Uh, you might not be able to do anything to stop this meteor, but me, this this is a challenge. Accept it, and I know that I can cut this, right? <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so I you know I want to talk about perception versus imagination real quick. So the thing about perception is because I, I normally I, I find like perception and imagination to me they're two of the same, although they're not quite intertwined or not quite the same, but The way that you can look at perception is perception tells us something about the actual state of the world, whereas imagination usually represents ways the world might be. So what is or what most likely is and then what could be, I guess, is the way that you could look at it. But Uh, And so a prime example of this when it comes down to perception or maybe a blend of imagination would be the Rorschach test. So I don't know if if any of y'all have heard of the Rorschach test, but uh, I will show y'all a quick picture and this might stimulate your mind to remember. (laughs) That's actually really small. (laughs) Put that right there. Boom. Bam. So that's your uh, one of your Rorschach test pictures. And so the Rorschach test is described as a projective psychological test in which subjects perceptions of ink blocks. And that's what y'all see right now on the screen is an ink block that's recorded and then analyzed using psychological interpretation complex algorithms or both. Now, some psychologists use this test to examine a person's personality characteristics or emotional functioning. It has been employed to detect underlying thoughts, disorders, and um, especially in cases where patients are reluctant to describe their thinking uh, when processing stuff openly. So, the reason why I feel like this is a good test or a good picture to show as far as imagination or perception, because 
Yeah, perception would be, okay, how do you perceive this image? Like, when y'all are looking at this, what does it look like to y'all? Now, I would think that some people would say uh, a moth. (laughs) Uh, Some type of dangerous moth will probably be something that some people think of. Uh, But for me, because of my imagination, I would say, it makes me think about Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Dark Knight. Uh, logo that's the thing that I think of when I see this is it do y'all see it <laughs> you're like uh no Jay we are not seeing no uh Batman that is that is a moth sir <laughs> that, that is a beautiful ink blot butterfly <laughs> but yeah I mean uh imagination I feel like is very uh, intertwined with perception in a lot of ways. Um, But imagination is really cool because if you think about when you were younger, you know, when you were a kid and you thought about all the things you were going to do when you get older, like, oh, you know, I want to be a superhero. You know, if you were really young, you probably did. Uh, Or maybe you wanted to be uh, a president or a doctor of some sort. Like those thoughts of you wearing a uniform, you know, having a scalpel in your hand or whatever, like that's all a part of your imagination and uh, projecting of what you would like to have going forward. And imagination, I feel like, does that for us where it gives us a reason why, as time goes on, to look for the next day. I mean, to, to be honest, I imagine what tomorrow is going to be like. Oh, tomorrow I'm going to have a thousand new followers and it's going to be great. <laughs> now, some of y'all are like, oh, yeah, in your dreams, Jay. Or no, don't, hey, you're going to get there, bro. You're going to get there. Hey, I, I appreciate that. I love, thank you. <laughs> but no, I mean, those are the things that keep you motivated and wanting more as you go forward. And so, hey, you know, I would say when it comes down to the power of imagination, Embrace it. Embrace it because it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. 